Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Eric Brotman about employee financial wellness and the long-term success of your business. Eric Brotman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from the Maryland area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about employee financial wellness and the long-term success of business and how the two can coincide and really how it can be a strategic lever for organizations as they focus on how to add value to their employees and create better value for their customers. As we get started, I wanted to share Eric's bio with everybody. Eric Brotman is Chief Executive Officer of BFG Financial Advisors. He began his financial planning practice in 1994 and founded Brotman Financial Group in 2003, which later became the BFG Financial Advisors. He and his team focused on supporting families and individuals by providing comprehensive financial planning services. Wonderful. And BFG, my very first thought is the big friendly giant, but I'm guessing that's not where the name comes from. No, in fact, we were first. And uh, and when I had a chance to be on vacation the summer that that movie came out, I was enjoying a nice bike ride and I passed by a movie theater and it said the BFG on the marquee. And I thought I can't get away no matter what I do, no matter what I do. <laughs> but yes, no, we, we were first. So they stole that from us, I think. <laughs> well, great, great. All right. So as we get started, um, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal background or context? And then we'll dive on in and talk about employee financial wellness. Yeah, and I, I have been almost 30 years in the financial industry and believe that financial literacy is the key to financial freedom and success uh, and lament the fact that we don't have good financial literacy education in schools and that even employees are handed these benefit books that are just massive written by lawyers and don't know the first thing to do with them. Um, and it's just an overwhelming process that requires, I, I think, a navigator. And so, um, so that's where we've, that's where we've evolved. We work with families, many are multi-generational. Uh, we have clients in 36 States presently. Um, so we're all over the country and it's amazing how many people have similar experiences about being 22 and getting their first job and having no idea what to select or making big student loan decisions at 18 before they're old enough to have a Budweiser or trying to figure out what retirement looks like and having no idea what that's going to cost. Um, and people who worry about money are not effective at other things. And so that's, that's where this came to be and why we set up this financial wellness program. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. Financial literacy is hugely important. Like you said, it, it is the crux of many relationship challenges um, in marriages, for example. Uh, and it, if people are so concerned about how they're going to be paying their bills, uh, how they're going to be just taking care of basic needs, as well as like this looming retirement future that they have no idea how they're going to uh, to afford or be able to pay for, um, it just distracts, right? It distracts from the other necessary elements of doing a good job at work or to building relationships, whether it's at home or at work or whatever. And so, you know, I do a lot of, of uh, work in the space of employee engagement and satisfaction and pay is a really interesting element. You know, and pay as a motivator is not a great motivator, but it's a really good demotivator. And as soon as pay is out of, ba- out of balance, you don't have equity, you don't have parity, or people just feel like they're not they don't have a living wage that they don't have enough to meet their needs, then pay becomes almost the, the only thing they can focus on, right? And, and we're not talking about pay per se, we're talking about um, overall financial wellness and literacy and preparing for the future. But the same principle applies. Uh, if, if I feel underwater uh, with in relation to my, fan, my financial well-being, uh, then it's really just going to take its toll uh, in my organizational life, in my home life, and really every walk and aspect of my life. So financial literacy, financial wellness, I think it's just a huge, huge thing. And I think about organizations and organizational success, uh, organizational organizations trying to be strategic, for example, in this, this great resignation moment where they're fighting for talent and so many employees are just choosing to go to either find a new job or to start their own business or try out the gig economy or whatever. And the reality is they just don't, they, they've t- taken time to reevaluate over the last couple of years. They realize I don't, this, this organization, this company isn't for me and they're bailing and organizations are really struggling. Can every organization pay more? And it, it's really hard right now to keep up with inflation, for example. Uh, do they need to? Yes, they need to. Is pay and paying more always, you know, uh, the easiest option for organizations? Not always. But as we look at the, the array of potential benefits that we can provide as employers to employees to keep them engaged in the work and to, to help them and set them up for success, I think financial literacy and wellness and resources to help your people, that's a huge added benefit. I've seen some organizations do this, um, but frankly, most don't do it in a particularly meaningful way. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit of, of how organizations can use your, your program uh, and partner with organizations like yours to, to give this benefit to their employees. John, I, I, you used the term underwater uh, a few moments ago, and you said when folks are underwater, they, they can't concentrate. And it's funny because I've heard it said that money's a lot like oxygen. When you have enough, you don't think about it. When you don't have enough, it's all you think about. And so I, I think there's this um, disconnect between financial wellness um, and traditional wellness. A lot of the times you, you, you really can't have one without the other. It's extremely difficult. Um, but you, you asked about how financial wellness will impact a company. And at the end of the day, I want, and we employ 20 plus people around the country and many of them on site, although post pandemic, we now have fully remote employees for the first time. And we're finding that that's working for various roles. So the workplace has changed. And if you're not prepared to change with it, you're, you're going to be uh, struggling to find talent because talent wants more, to your point, more than pay. They want certain benefits, but they also want flexibility and life balance. And they don't want to miss their kid's soccer game or PTA meeting. 
So there's this very interesting shift where the power really does belong to the employee in that regard. But from a, a financial standpoint, if, if our employees are worried about how they're going to pay their rent or their mortgage or their tuition for their kids, or they're worried about money, they are not thinking about taking care of the things we need to take, about, uh, take care of for our clients. And specifically in our industry, we're in the financial industry. I don't want anyone working for me who's struggling with money because that sends the wrong message to the people we work with because of the industry we're in. But even if we weren't, you're not going to get your employees a game if they're worried about something. And if you can take some of that worry away via education or via resources or via just empathy and understanding, quite frankly, it's, it's really valuable. And so we, we did create a program that, that big companies are using, but there's nothing to say smaller companies couldn't use it also. And it's a way for an employer to provide consulting, financial consulting for employees at a very inexpensive point. Um, it doesn't have to cost the employees anything. And they're getting some of their questions answered in an objective way from someone who's not trying to sell them something. So whether it's, should I refinance this mortgage or did I choose the right benefits or do I need an estate plan or I just got divorced, what now, or we had triplets or all the things life throws at us. You know what I mean? They don't know where to where to turn. They don't yeah. want to go to a, they don't want to go to their HR department because HR is going to say we can't help you legally. We can't help you choose so much as a fund in your account, much less give you financial advice. They can't turn to anybody at work. And even if they could, they don't want to talk about an issue they're having with a spouse or a kid or a mortgage with coworkers. So who do you turn to? And a lot of people either can't afford a financial advisor on their own or shouldn't. Even if they could, not everyone should, because there are situations where you wind up paying for something you don't really have to get professional advice on. It's like a simple tax return does not require a CPA. A relatively basic financial plan does not require a CFP. And so people use uh, financial advisors, and I, I think most of them use us um, as accountability partners as much as anything else, and that's great but they really have to be buyer beware because there are organizations that will um, really overcharge you, especially as a relatively modest uh, account or, or client or what have you. And you just have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what that can look like. So for example, I, I'm a university professor. Uh, the university is one of the major employers in the area. One of the benefits they do provide is, is they have uh, financial advisors that are available for us to set appointments with and mm -hmm. have a conversation. Um, now, how many people utilize that benefit? I have no idea. I've worked at this university for 13 plus years. I've used it once, okay. <laughs> um, you know, like literally one 30 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I certainly haven't utilized it, but part of it, you know, I'm thinking hmm, that my experience, I decided, Oh, I should go try this. Um, and it, it was lackluster. It, it wasn't particularly helpful. And, and so I, I kind of walked away thinking, huh, well, that wasn't really worth my time and, wow. and haven't done it again. Right. And so there's, there's organizations that provide that kind of a benefit, which I'm not even sure the, the university paid anything for, no, or if, it no, was, they if it was just the firm that came in was trying to, to, to get more people involved. What happens is the, the companies that do the 403Bs or 401Ks have an army of relatively, um, I'm not going to say untrained, but relatively green advisors 
who go out and really what their expertise is, for lack of a better term, is how the plan works. They're not CFPs in most cases. They don't have the ability to give financial advice other than to say, here's how the plan works. And, oh, you can get a match. And they work for the company that the, that the university has employed, in your case, has employed to manage the retirement plan, which means they're employed by a specific company who manages assets that you already have with that company. And that is proprietary. And to me, it's not great. I mean, it, it is better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. But most of those providers do that for free, for free. Nothing's ever free, but they're doing it as a value add to win the business. And when they win that business, they're sending somebody green to come meet with you um, just to talk about how to choose your funds and your plan or, um, or, or what 6% of your salary is. And that's not going to have somebody walking away going, wow, I got my questions answered. I feel so much better. They're going to say, what was that half an hour and what could I have been doing? So, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what, what can it look like when it's done well, when it's done right, so that I as an employee feel like, oh, this is really actually a really great benefit, a great service. I'm going to do this yearly. I'm going to make sure that I'm on track uh, mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm fully aware of what's going on. I get my questions answered. What would that look like and how would that be different than what I've experienced? Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Consultations we do for employees of the companies that, that bring us in are 45-minute sessions, um, often on site, although now we do plenty by Zoom because that doesn't work for everybody. But um, And what they're designed to be is they're designed to be a very open-ended conversation about finances. So we do a, a quick two-page questionnaire in advance to say, provide some basic data so we don't have to be fishing for that. 
we encourage people to bring their um, to bring their login credentials for all their various benefits. But we're and we're going to spend time looking at their beneficiaries. Are they named and are they in traditional or Roth? And and does that make sense? But we're also going to be able to ask questions about their family and their kids and education and housing. And we can do really um, incredible um, hypothetical illustrations for financial freedom. It says, you know, you, you'd like to, you're 47 years old. You'd like to be done at 62. That's 15 years. Let's talk about what you're earning, what you're saving, what your current balance sheet looks like and figure out if you're on track. And if you're not, let's figure out the variables we can adjust to get you on track. So people leave these 45 minute consultations with a blueprint and to do's. And then afterwards we follow up with them and say, here are the, here are the various to do items. This is your homework, so to speak. Um, and here's some resources for you. And, you know, we'll see you next year. Or if you choose to engage a firm, we certainly consider you a good candidate for this or we don't. And I think that winds up being very impactful. People feel they feel so much better or, or frankly, they feel worse, but at least they know what they're up against. You know, they feel informed. At least they have a plan, right? (laughs) Well, to say, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was going to need to put away in order to keep my lifestyle without my paycheck. It is a big number. And some of that's inflation. I mean, you know, your great grandparents paid for their house, what you paid for your car. And that's just inflation. That's not ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but it's not. But when you start inflating, when you've got young people, you got a 28 year old who says, I'm putting away 6% in my 401k. I should be good by 50, right? Um, And the answer is basically no, Um, but let's figure out what we do have to quantify. And young people, they want to retire early, like it's a, you know, the fire movement and so forth. They, they want to be financially independent early, which I think is wonderful. It's great that they're thinking that way. It, it's incredibly difficult and people don't know what retirement looks like. Like, you know, I, I host a podcast and wrote a book called Don't Retire, Graduate with the idea that retirement is horrendously bad for you and people don't thrive when they're retired. And people look at me like, what do you mean don't retire? What I mean is don't retire in the traditional sense. Don't go from 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week to Oprah and shuffleboard. You'll lose your mind. Like have a reason to get out of bed every morning. It doesn't have to be for money if you don't need it. It doesn't have to be consultancy. It could be related to grandkids or it could be what, but there's only so many golf courses. So I think it's really important to have a retirement plan that's more than numbers. This is not about math. It's about having a future that, that you're excited to go towards rather than to retreat from. And I have these conversations, you know, with, with family and friends sometimes about retirement. Now, I get part of it is I'm a university professor and being a professor, it's, it's a long, hard slog to go through all the schooling and to get a tenure track position. That's, that's not fun. Um, it's a big long, hard slog. But once, once you get the position and you get through the tenure process and you have that security, it's a pretty darn good gig. You have, you know, uh, uh, it's not like super crazy high pay or anything, but it's a good, good, um, mm-hmm. healthy wage, uh, good retirement, uh, and lots of flexibility, lots of autonomy. And so in this kind of a career, I mean, I could see myself working into my 80s if I'm still mentally capable, just because, you know, over time, as I get closer and older, you know, closer to retirement, older in age, I can scale back. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I can, it's not, it's not a um, either or binary, I'm either a full time professor, or I am fully retired. But over time, I can, 
I, it's, it's a spectrum and I can, I could scale back and I can over time, you know, do what seems to make sense with my energy level, with my capabilities uh, and still continue. Now I recognize mm-hmm. not every career is like that, uh, but that's definitely how I perceive my future. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in my early forties. So I have at least, I, I figure at least another 20, 30 years um, before I'm really seriously thinking about any sort of traditional retirement. But like mm-hmm. I said, I could, I could see myself easily going in, you know, if I'm healthy, I could see myself going into my eighties. Um, and, and then I have conversations with other friends or family and they're like, no, man, I want to be done by the time I'm 50, 55. And, and I have the same conversation with them. So, so then what, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, yeah, what, what, are, what, are you what, gonna... what would you like to be when you grow up? Yeah. And, and there are tons of things you can do. So it's not like mm-hmm. someone retires from their, their career and then all of a sudden they have nothing to do anymore. Clearly there are tons of th- options, tons of things they can do, but if you don't have a plan, just like if you right. don't have a financial plan, you could find yourself very uh, dissatisfied with life <laughs> at that stage. If you don't yeah. have meaning and purpose and a reason uh, for your existence. Uh, so just having these conversations, I think is super helpful. And I like how you described uh, you know, what your firm does in trying to help organizations and to help individuals, employees within those organizations to think through all these questions, to start mm-hmm. asking themselves, to start planning now for that you know, perceived future. The other aspect of all of this is we have no idea what the future will actually look like. <laughs> so like right now, we're in the middle of pretty high level inflation. The markets aren't doing great. Like you know, I, I suspect if you look at the uh, the trajectory, you could speak better to this than than I could certainly. But if uh, if you look at the last thirty years, you know, there's always ups and downs, and there's um, there's times that the market uh, crashes, but it always rebounds, and inflation has its ups and downs as well. Mm-hmm. So I imagine if we were to to extrapolate from the past trends and move into the future, that we'd expect to see something somewhat similar. You know, thirty years into the future. But the truth is, we don't know. And, and there could be major catastrophic global events that happen that drive up inflation or that, that hinder the global economy. We don't know. And so amidst that uncertainty, some people retreat and just say, well, I, I don't know what the future holds. And so I'm just going to take it one day at a time and not actually try to plan for the unknowable future. Um, how would you respond to that? Um, that's the ostrich plan, um, <laughs> w- where if you bury your head in the sand, nothing is happening above the, the surface. Uh, a, a, a failure to plan is, is, is a plan to fail. It's a disaster. And you don't have to know what the future holds to have certain indications of what it might hold. Um, I submit to you that most of us are going to live longer than we expect. How old our parents were when they passed or how old they are today is not necessarily relevant. Now, there's some biological tendencies, but the idea that, well, my parents both were dead at 77, so I'm only going to live to 77. The world is different from a medical standpoint and a a drug standpoint and a technology standpoint. So we're going to live longer than we think in most cases. Life's also going to be more expensive than we can fathom. And that's not just inflation. It's also planned obsolescence. It's also things that we're going to be paying for that we don't today. 30 years ago, people who were sitting here in their mid 40s or early, I'm 50 years old, but people who are generally our age, they didn't have internet service providers, streaming services, cell phones, they, these things didn't exist. Stuff that's on every household budget now didn't exist. And there will be things in, in X number of years like that, 
that now feel critical. I don't know what they're going to be. I mean, it could be that you need a, a certain uh, a certain device down the road to make sure that your water is drinkable at your home. Like th there could be things like that that are coming just based on the way the world is going. I don't know what they are, um, but I know there'll be something. Um, I also think there's there's this tendency to think, well, I don't need all of my income when I retire. And that's also false. And the reason it's false is that the inflation rate affecting seniors or retirees in general is higher than the one reflecting uh, that it's, it's impacting working people. Because think what retirees spend money on. If you're healthy, it's travel and leisure. That doesn't inflate like groceries. If you're not healthy, it's medical care. And we both know that doesn't inflate like groceries. And oh, by the way, in a lot of cases, there's education for grandkids because your kids have no shot in most cases at putting away enough money to educate their own children. And you don't want to see your grandkids have $100,000 student loans for an undergraduate education that may or may not be worth half that. So we're going to live longer than we think. It's going to be more expensive than we expect, and we better be ready for it. And we're also on our own. You remember the, the, the three-legged stool? The three-legged stool of finance used to be there are, there are three legs, and this is what happens. You have Social Security, you have your pension, and you have a little bit of personal savings. And so 70 years ago, it was common to say, you need to save about 10% of what you'll need in retirement because the rest of it is covered by the government and your employer. Well, pensions have mostly gone away, not entirely, but mostly. And, the, and even the ones that are in place are being frozen or discontinued or impacted. So you can't rely on them the same way. I don't have a great deal of confidence that Social Security will exist for everyone. I fully expect it to exist for some people. I do not know if it will exist for other people just because it's politically impossible to get rid of and politically easy to take from one group and give to another group. So I think we're not relying on Social Security. We're not relying on pensions. Instead of a three-legged stool, we now have a yo-yo. The yo-yo is you're on your own. And you have got to save basically everything you need for yourself because no one, there is no safety net to take care of you. That's, it's just not there. There is so much here and we've only just scratched the surface, <laughs> but let me just recap really quick. Um, the bottom line premise of, of the entire conversation today is let's prepare. Let's, you know, we don't know the future, but we need to prepare for even an uncertain future and mm -hmm. financial wellness is essential to that future. And it's important for us to not only be successful and have the life we want in the future, but to be successful and capable and, and productive today. So organizations, it's an organization's best interest to look at ways to provide this kind of financial well-being, financial wellness, financial literacy benefit to its employees, because mm -hmm. that takes that strain, that stress off the table. Uh, it helps people just show up to work and, and and do the work and, and be creative and innovative and, and do great things to add value to the market. If we can do all of that, uh, it, it's a really great value add for organizations. It can be a, a tool to help retain good people. And ultimately it's going to be a win-win all the way around. Uh, Eric, it has been a real pleasure. I note the time I'm going to have to let you go, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Um, first, there's a, a website where we talk about the financial wellness program for employees, and you can go to getfinancialwellness.com and check that out. There's a downloadable uh, uh, ebook, essentially. It's free, and um, it'll have everything you need to think about um, in the ways in which employers can care for employees 
many of which don't create an enormous amount of expense. Some of them are, are free, quite frankly, but they're ways that you can take care of your employees. And that matters in a competitive job environment. Uh, the second thing is to check out the podcast and the book and our financial wellness courses. You can go to brotmanmedia.com. You'll find all of those resources. Um, we have created BFG University and some of those courses are free and they're designed to help people uh, learn some of the basics. Uh, and you know, the company BFG Financial Advisors is at bfgfa.com. And if you're contemplating a financial advisor or you'd like to figure out whether it makes sense to even have one, let's talk. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Eric and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do 
you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.